This comes from Luke 21, 12 to 18. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you the words, and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. Okay, the next reading is from Daniel 3, verses 8 to 30. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and the entire musical ensemble, to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counsellors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. He replied, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counsellors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of the fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or or language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It's my delight to welcome Reverend Dr. Sam Wells from St. Martin in the Fields who has come to uh, open God's word for us this morning. Thank you for having me on your birthday. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder if you've ever spent any time thinking about how the Bible came to be written. Well, if you have, today's reading from the third chapter of Daniel is what you might call the epicenter of the Bible, because it sums up the theology of the Old Testament and of the New Testament. I'd even go so far as to say if you're only going to read one story in the Bible in which all the other stories of the Bible are contained, you could do a lot worse than reading this one. The book of Daniel's about a people who lost their home, lost their hope, lost their security, lost their families, lost their heritage, lost their land, lost their story, and found God. In exile, Israel found it was closer to God than it had been in the promised land. 
That's the discovery on which the whole Bible rests. Let's see how the story shows us what this means. Nebuchadnezzar is God. That's what we're supposed to think. That's why he has satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and so on and so on. He's just got so many staff, he's oozing them. He's so up himself that he makes an enormous golden statue and everyone has to bow down and worship it when he clicks his fingers, or rather when he clicks his horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and drum. Anyone who doesn't is thrown into the blazing fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are having none of it. Their story shows us what salvation means. What salvation doesn't mean is freedom from care, anxiety, fear, pain, or threat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't avoid the fiery furnace. Christians don't believe they're immune from suffering, sealed off from worry, aloof from conflict, inoculated against panic, exempt from grief. Quite the opposite, as this story makes clear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face suffering, worry, conflict, panic, and grief precisely because they're people of faith and because they uphold God's name. What salvation does mean is one of two things. This story shows us both of them. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown bound in the fire, God is with them. There aren't three figures walking in the flames, there are four. My guess is every single person in this church this morning has seen or at some time owned a small picture of footprints walking across a beach and an inscription that explains that for a stretch there was only one set of footprints because for that part of the journey Jesus carried you. It's a pious sentiment but I'm not sure it's what Christians call salvation. What Christians call salvation is what we see in this story. Jesus is with us in the fire. The destiny of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is settled not before they reach the fire by some stunt that makes them avoid the flames, nor is there any dramatic rescue from the flames. Their salvation takes place in the flames, as they discover Emmanuel, God is with them in the flames. Your salvation will be the same. Here's the bad news. God isn't going to spare you from the fire. God isn't going to rescue you from the fire. Here's the good news. God is going to be with you in the fire. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. That's the gospel. In this story, the fire represents Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't spared from the fire, nor rescued from the fire. They find they're with God in the fire. Somehow the fire is a fire not just for them, but for God too. The same is true for Israel in Babylon. Israel isn't spared exile. Israel isn't rescued from exile. Israel finds in exile that God's there too. 
The appearance of the fourth figure in the fire sums up the experience of exile for Israel. God is with us. That's salvation. And we see the same in Jesus. Jesus has his own fire, which we call the cross. Jesus isn't spared the cross. Jesus isn't rescued from the cross. Jesus is with God on the cross. The bonds of the Trinity are stretched to the limit, but not broken. When we see the cross, we see that God is with us, however, whatever, wherever, forever. This is our faith. But of course, that's not all that salvation means. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do emerge from the fire. But look how it happens. They're called out by Nebuchadnezzar. See how God works. We want the dramatic intervention miracle. What we get is conversion instead. The embodiment of pride and cruelty, the Babylonian king, becomes the one who calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the flames. There's no Christianity without conversion. We can talk all we like about people of goodwill, but salvation works through conversion. Nebuchadnezzar was the agent of imprisonment, punishment, and trauma, and he becomes the agent of deliverance, transformation, and restoration. That's called conversion. And how and why is Nebuchadnezzar converted? Nebuchadnezzar sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and sees that God is with them. And because God is with them, they feel the force of the flames, but the the fire has no final power to damage them, distort them, destroy them. That's called being a Christian. We feel the force of sin and suffering. We're stricken down by sin and suffering, but because God is with us, sin and suffering have no final power ultimately to damage us, distort us, destroy us. I wonder if you know who Nebuchadnezzar really is. I wonder if there's been such a personal power in your life dominating, oppressing, threatening, hurting. I wonder what it's like to go into the flames. I wonder what it's like to feel that whatever Nebuchadnezzar has done to you, in Jesus, God is with you and nothing Nebuchadnezzar can do can damage, distort, or destroy you. I wonder what it means to imagine Nebuchadnezzar's conversion and the hope that all your grief and suffering and exile will one day be redeemed and become part of what we call the gospel. I wonder what it's like to discover you're a Christian. The center of the story is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to Nebuchadnezzar. I challenge you to hear these words without trembling. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Hear those words echoing down your life from this moment forward. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are speaking to a skeptical king. Skeptics say things like, Jesus expected the imminent end of the world, but it didn't come, so why should we believe the rest of the things he said? 
You know that if the end of the world had come, the church wouldn't have written the New Testament. And if it wasn't for the New Testament, we wouldn't know anything about what Jesus did or didn't think or say or do. But what you say is, the end of the world may yet come, but even if it does not, we will trust the incarnation and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus as the foundation stone of everything that we know. Skeptics say things like, if Christianity's true, why doesn't it make better people? Why are Christians so mean and unfaithful and greedy and bigoted? You know Jesus saves us from our sins. We never pretend we have no sins for Jesus to save us from. The gospel is about forgiveness, not about never getting things wrong. But what you say is, Christianity may make us better people, but even if it does not, we will trust that God in Christ has come among us as the truth and in the Holy Spirit has made it possible to see and know the truth today. But of course you're less concerned with skeptics than with people you love who are facing agonizing suffering or distress and who turn and look at you and say, where is God now? You're going to visit a vulnerable person who's overheard frightened relatives sharing hushed whispers of fear and yet is surrounded by people who seem to think their job is to keep cheerful and so ensure it may never happen. And this person looks to you as the only one who has the courage and the faith to tell them the truth. And they say to you, am I going to die today? And you say, your doctors hope you might get over this setback. But even if not, God is with you in your last breath, and God will not let even death destroy you. Neither death nor life can separate you from the love of God, dear one. Or maybe you're sitting down over a drink or a coffee and your companion says, do you think she'll ever come back? Do you think she has any idea how much I love her? Do you think there's anything I can do to get through to her? And you see the drink on the table in front of you tremble. And you realize it's because your companion's gripping it for dear life because there's nothing else in the world to hold on to. And you say, I hope she'll come back. But even if not, I know, know that God will never leave her alone. And God will never leave you alone. And even in the fire where you are right now, God is making something beautiful out of your lonely, broken heart. Or maybe you're sitting thinking, perhaps I'm the only person here whose faith is fragile, whose prayer life is a bombsite, whose lifestyle is unrecognizable as Christian, who just can't seem to find God anywhere near a church. Well, if so, you're a gift to this community. Because there ain't anyone here who at some moment in the next 20 years won't be sitting where you're sitting today. To go through life without the fire or the freezer of doubt may sound like being a Christian, but it doesn't sound much like being a human being. I say unto you, maybe you'll know God's presence every hour, every breath, every touch, but even if not, know that God is with you and God is for you in every moment of the universe's existence. You may believe and trust in the living God, but even if not, the living God lives for you. We all know that most beloved verse in Scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him 
may not perish but have eternal life. But we also know that if it was that simple, we wouldn't need the rest of the Bible. The poignancy of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to Nebuchadnezzar is finally not just what we say to a skeptic or to a person in pain or to ourselves, but what the members of the Trinity say to one another. When Jesus goes to the fire, when Jesus faces the flames of hell for us, when Jesus hangs upon the cross, what does he say to the Father? Is it so different from the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If you will will to deliver me from the cross, O Father, then take this cup away from me. But even if not, be it known to you, O Father, that my love for you will hang on forever. And that those who somehow find that they've lost you can hang on to me. Isn't that what makes Jesus' final words so wondrous? Jesus loves us so much that he goes to the cross even if there's no certainty of resurrection. Jesus isn't just keeping his side of the bargain. Jesus is loving even if not. That's the definition of love. We've come face to face with God. We've come to the foot of the cross, the heart of Jesus. We've come to the definition of love. It lies in those four little words, but even if not. Those words are the heart of God. Make them the heart of your life. Make them the heart of your faith. Make them the heart of your love. Make them the whole of your calling. In them you will find God. But even if not, in them God will find you.